This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Nick Stuller, CEO of MyPerfectFinancialAdvisor.com. Over the past 15 years, Nick was CEO and co-founder of two of the largest advisor directory businesses, Discovery Data and Meridian HQ. 2018, he authored a book called The Truth Will Set Your Wallet Free, The Secrets to Finding the perfect financial advisor. He has been in the New York Times, Dow Jones, Reuters, Yahoo, and pretty much everywhere else. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time. You got started as a financial advisor yourself, correct? Yes. I worked for the firm Shearson Lehman Hutton, which is now Morgan Stanley, at the uh, the 14 Wall Street office, which was uh, quite a time. So, uh, I got in early in the, in the 80s. It was a lot of fun, learned a lot, uh, did it for a few years, and then went on to really serve advisors for really the entirety of my career, except for those first uh, three years or so. Um, what prompted the switch from what used to be known as Slamex to helping advisors? Well, back then, as you will know from movies like Wolf of Wall Street, not that my office was like that. Hey, I've worked on a trading floor. I know what that's like. You know, cold calling clients is a rough business. I did it for three years and it wasn't for me. And so I left and uh, found a firm called Waterhouse Securities, which became TD Ameritrade, which is now Schwab. And I went on to the, their brand new division. I was the third employee in the division serving registered investment advisors. And so I, even though I worked on Wall Street for a few years, I had no idea what an RIA was. But when I read the ad, I said, this is interesting. And I dove in and yeah, so that's how I made the move. Well, congratulations on that. Our industry is certainly very glad you did. I didn't like smiling and dialing all day either. <laughs> So how does, talk a little bit about the evolution, because obviously you went from Waterhouse slash Ameritrade slash Schwab to Discovery Data and Meridian HQ. What prompted those, that evolution? Well, in between, um, I left, it was then Waterhouse Securities, and I went to uh, run sales, to be the head of national sales for a regulatory compliance firm called National Regulatory Services. And they were looking for a sales director. They were growing. And I had a feeling that compliance would be a big part of the industry. And at the time, they were the number one firm. So I, I moved to Connecticut and uh, was there for many years and was there for about seven years until uh, National Regulatory Services got acquired you know, by Thompson. 
And so during my time at NRS, they had a directory of advisors. So I started getting an affinity for data about advisors. And so, and I knew advisor specifically RIA data well, because part of the diligence process, when I landed a new client, this is back in the nineties at Waterhouse, we, the first step is we had to read through their ADV just to make sure we wanted them as a client. So I, I read hundreds and hundreds of ADVs. And so by the time I got to this compliance firm, they had all this data uh, electronically. And so that was pretty cool and pretty novel. And so anyway, it was at NRS until they got acquired and then um, was laid off actually. And then a mutual friend of a friend said, hey, I have an idea. Maybe the world needs an advisor directory online. And I said, I know a lot about that. And so he didn't know the space. I did. We joined forces. And that's how I made the leap to uh, be the co-founder and the CEO of Discovery Data. And I mean, you grew Discovery Data to the largest in the industry. Talk a little bit about that journey. What were some of the lessons you learned along the way? Learned a lot of great lessons. And we had a you know phenomenal team. Many of them are still there because the firm, after I left, you know, has been sold a couple of times, but learned a lot. You know, uh, one of the great big lessons is if you listen to your to your clients, specifically your paying clients, about what they want, if you really listen to them, that's the best product development you can get your hands on. You know, I had ideas that I thought was were pure genius and nobody loved them. You know, I mean, I had a lot of good ideas too, but I did have ideas that were in, in the light of day, not that great. But when a client had an idea, whether I agreed with it or not, and we developed this rule of three different clients at a sample, say the exact same thing. I want the exact same feature. That's all the statistical inference we need. We'll just do it. And boy, did that work out so well. But you really, you had to commit to it because a lot of a lot of companies give lip service to when they when a client says, can you do this? And they'll say, well, yeah, we'll put it on the list. We actually just almost blindly did it as long as there were three. And it was B2B, you know, business to business. So that's easier than business to consumer because uh, consumers don't always, you know, they're not as rational feedback givers as, you know, B2B are. So, th- so that was a big, big lesson. And also another big lesson was the team is everything. If you, if you, if you get a great team, you really just got to hire well and get out of their way, give them leadership. You really don't need to manage people if you hire the right person. So I learned that, you know, very well at Discovery. And then talk me through the chronology. Did you leave Discovery, found Meridian, and then Meridian got acquired back by Discovery? Yeah, what happened is the gentleman I co-founded Discovery with, he and I never really liked each other. It's actually funny. And I, I gave it, in my own mind, I gave it one, maybe two years and, and we'd part ways, but it lasted seven. So we had a falling out. So I left uh, a very intelligent guy, successful guy, but you were just philosophically were different people. But, you know, he let me do what I wanted to do. And I ran the thing basically autonomously discovery, even though I was a minority shareholder, I ran it autonomously just about for the, for the almost the entire duration. But we had a falling out. I left and then... Um, I teamed up with another fellow who had a, a different idea for kind of a, an advisor marketing platform kind of way before its time. And we started building that out, an, another co-founder. 
And then I was a couple people at the firm, we had a few employees at the time said, why don't we compete with your former firm, which I didn't want to do at first. And uh, I really didn't because I'd done discovery and we did a great job and it was a great product, blah, blah. And a couple of people said, let's create another division and compete and start this Meridian. It was a Meridian IQ, it was called. And so I said, okay. And so we did and we created the better mousetrap. And then what happened is over time, it was like Coke and Pepsi battling each other out. Like we were literally like killing each other, both growing though. And then a private equity firm, really what happened is a PE firm uh, or a PE group bought us both and merged us. I had no desire to do a database business of advisors a third time. So I early on said, I, I'm going to be doing other things. So that's what happened. You know, a, a financial acquirer acquired both Coke and Pepsi, you know, and deleted one bottling plant, if you will. And uh, discovery continues to grow. And, and from what I understand, you know, really be the dominant player still. Yes. Congratulations on all of that. Full disclosure. We are clients of your former firm. Okay, great. Um, what inspired you to start My Perfect Financial Advisor? Well, being in the industry now 30 years in, in both meeting with advisors and meeting with investors, I've learned exceptionally well that advisors help investors. Full stop. If you have an advisor, you're better off. So really, I'd been thinking about for a long time, maybe 15 years, that there really is no objective place for an investor to go and get truly objective education and advice on how to hire an advisor. In the past, you know, prior to me starting this company, it was really the wrong time to do an internet deployed tool to match investors to advisors. Because at that time, maybe seven years in the past, investors just did not want to give money to people over the internet. And the best example of that is the lack of traction of uh, startup robo-advisors. They didn't get money under management. The basic psychology was, you know, people don't, are not comfortable writing a million dollar check to a robo at that time. So time changed. And so in 2016, after the merger of uh, Meridian and, and Discovery, I decided that it, the time was right and I was going to start a matchmaker. And really, the, the purpose of the company, the, the mindset was that I want to create a company that serves the investor first and the advisor second and exists to help the investor improve their life by getting them a financial advisor. So uh, created the company. Uh, the way we match is the investor. It's free to the investor. We charge right now the advisor $995. And the investor fills out their profile. And we tell the investor, based on the data, we think you should hire this named advisor. Hire Fred. Hire Mary. Then we give them six alternates. And that triggers registration with the SEC. So we are an RIA because of the way we match the investor to the advisor. But it's, I liken it really to like eHarmony as opposed to the dating sites for those people who are going to be watching this who haven't been on a dating site in a while. Um, eHarmony or, or Tinder, you can peruse pretty pictures, you know, handsome faces and date people, you know, as you want. eHarmony takes data from the two people and matches them together and uses their knowledge to say, these two people should be together. So we liken ourselves and mimicked that model and our algorithm and our knowledge base is all based upon these two human beings should be together. You know, and that's why we give you seven. 
a primary you know, fit and then six others in rank order of fit. In case you don't like the one, our algorithm says we like best for you. I love the analogy of the eHarmony for financial advisor, investor, matchmaking. That's a great example. How many, if you're allowed to disclose, how many consumers have been on the platform? How many advisors have been on the platform? And how have you grown it so fast? Sure. Some of the numbers we don't disclose because the last time I looked, we have 27 competitors, which is great. You know, it's like the old adage, if a town has only one restaurant, the restaurant will do okay. Two more come into town, all three of you grow. So I'm thrilled we have a lot of competitors. So some of the numbers we don't disclose, but we have a little over, well, actually a lot over 800 advisors on the platform right now. Um, and they're busy with, with the leads and the clients we, you know, we're sending them. And really, this is the first time in my career where marketing has really driven advisors to come to the site. And so we use content to drive investors to come to the site. Uh, on our website below the fold, you see we write a lot. We've written a lot of articles. They're all educational and, and non-commercial and evergreen. And for advisors, we've gotten good write-ups uh, from Kitsis, from FA Magazine. Uh, we've gotten some, some decent press. And so most of, and we were in the InvestNet Yodley incubator program, even before the product was completed. So between that and good press and social media, the majority, the vast majority of advisors have just come to us. Um, and as we scale, of course, you know, we'll hire on enterprise sales teams and, and follow that whole model that, you know, we kind of really uh, honed quite well at Discovery. Well, that is awesome. You've built something incredible. Congratulations on that. With all the success you've achieved, I mean, what's your biggest challenge now? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, the biggest challenge now is really um, debunking the myths that a lot of the investing public has. So I wrote a book a few years ago about how anyone can and should get a financial advisor and did a lot of research and interviewing a lot of investors. And a lot of that work I'm using now has been very helpful to building out the platform. So soon, you know, hopefully soon is not you know, forever, but you know, hopefully soon we're gonna be rolling out a lot of educational uh, tools and content to help debunk a lot of the myths that investors, even really wealthy investors have lots of myths and misconceptions about advisors. And I think the most uh, um, aggressive statistic out there is 30% of American households have an advisor, which is incredibly low when you think about professionals. You know, everyone goes to a medical doctor. You don't think about never going to a doctor. You don't think about not using an attorney when you're involved in a, with a heavy legal contract or a lawsuit. But the majority of investors don't think advisors really, even you know, wealthy people, shun advisors. And that's a mistake. So our biggest challenge is really working on getting the word out with objective, trustworthy education about advisors are not the boogeyman. There was a Madoff. He's, in, he's dead now. There will be a Madoff in the future, but the majority of advisors are trustworthy and do a great job and are worthy of your consideration. And you should pick an advisor. You may have to change advisors, but you change doctors, you change attorneys, you know? Um, so that's the biggest challenge is really educating the public in really trustworthy ways that uh, the advice industry um, is necessary for you and beneficial. You know, for example, 
so many people, even in our industry, don't know the Morningstar and the Vanguard studies that show just on the portfolio side, a 300 basis point improvement over time on an annualized basis in your portfolio. And like a lot of people don't even know these studies exist. So things like that, we want to promote heavily, you know, as objectively as we can to really get investors and consumers, you know, people without a portfolio who need basically a financial plan to entrust advisors. So that, that's the big challenge. And it's, it's going to be a multi, many, many year, you know, endeavor to get more and more people to understand that, that th- this is a group of professionals that are important to you and are necessary, you know, for your financial health and even you could say your entire well-being. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? I uh, just the, the conversations I have periodically uh, with investors who say, wow, you know, life is better now that I've found an advisor. You know, I, I have talked to investors on a fairly regular basis and those that, that go through the process and hire somebody, you know, the stories they have about what they now know. And and because and, no, no one's ever, and they, and they use the book often. I refer them to the book. Uh, sometimes I send them a book for, you know, for free, an investor, if they're interested in, in going through it. It's a 200-page book. But um, um, no one's ever really talked to investors from, you know, and, and we can be an honest, you know, we have no axe to grind. We don't, we take all kinds of advisors. We don't sell a, an investment product. We never will. Uh, we really want to educate investors that you can get help. And your advisor can be very different from like your brother's advisor. Hearing these stories from investors is incredibly gratifying. I mean, we have changed lives for the better. That's pretty much everything. It's a great reason to get up in the morning. It is. It is. Well, we know your time is incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you spending some of it with us. For our advisors who are listening, where is the best place for them to go to learn more about how they can be a perfect financial advisor team? Thank you. It's uh, myperfectfinancialadvisor.com and uh, our website. Uh, and it's advisor with an OR, uh, not an ER. Uh, and so our website has pretty much everything they, they need to know. And of course, they can send in an email to admin. Uh, there's emails throughout the site to contact somebody here at the firm. Awesome. This has been Seth Green with Nick Stuller of MyPerfectFinancialAdvisor.com. Nick, thanks again for joining us. Seth, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time.